Hi there, this is Austin Hetzler, the pastor of Christ the Rock Church of Elyria, Ohio. We at Christ the Rock are humbled and grateful to be a part of your sanctification today as you listen to this sermon. But at the same time, we want to encourage you to be a member of a good local church and not to allow online sermons to replace the local church and to benefit from the life of that church and to give your spiritual gifts back to that church. Having said that, our website is www.christrockchurch.com. If you go there, you can find sermons, blogs, and other resources as well as our location and service times. You can also listen to the sermons on Bible Thumping Wingnut, Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Stitcher. I, along with the membership of Christ the Rock Church, pray that this sermon will be a blessing to you. You know, we we did the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, we're, we're going down the line of the full armor of God. And, you know, hopefully this is an encouragement to the believer. Uh, I, I started thinking about this. What, what, what should I be preaching on? Because I was well into fruit of the Spirit. And one of the things that uh, I personally had to deal with until I came to this church was eternal salvation. So perseverance of the saints, it's preservation of the saints, right? That's, we talked about that this morning. And, and where does it come from, right? Where, where, where does this, uh, who has heard uh, perseverance of the saints, that terminology, right? Uh, uh, most, if, you, if you're any, been in reform for any long time, you, you'll be there. And, you know, where does it come from, right? And most will say, well, it's Calvin. It's, 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 it's the pea and tulip, right? Uh, but ultimately, um, this, this is where I struggle in, in, in talking to people about Reformed theology. It's what the Bible has to say. Um, I think it would be amiss if I just jumped to Perseverance of the Saints. Let's just talk real quick on what TULIP stands for. So T is total depravity. And that's how sin affects human beings. We are born enemies of God, Right? Unconditional, you is unconditional election. It's his special love on his people choosing to redeem them and restore them to their status as his children. It's a restoration there. Limited atonement, the L, describes God's intent behind the death of Christ in providing salvation to his elect, right? To his elect. Christ died for his elect. I is irresistible grace. God's loving power in salvation. Essentially it says if, if God loves you and wants you in his family, he's God. You're his. You know, I, I've, I've, I've thought about this one before and it's just like that irresistible grace. And it's like, yeah, you know, we, we, we're still in this area of sanctification in our lives as believers, right? We still sin. We still, we, st- we still fall. But we will never, if we are truly his, we will never fall far enough from him. We will feel that remorse. That's why we say that prayer every Sunday, right? To begin with, that confession of sin. And then finally, perseverance of the saints, it teaches God's permanent saving love for his people. 
So, so that's, that's what I'm going to be talking about today. We're going to be going through a lot of scripture here. So I, I kind of want to walk you through the understanding and how to be assured of your salvation, um, as well as to identify false converts, right, that are, that are either passively or on purpose trying to undermine the church. We see that. We see that passively or intentionally trying to undermine the church. My, the text I picked for today, and it probably, Pastor, I don't know if this would be the text you would pick, but it's the one that the Lord laid on my heart, is, is Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 39. So uh, if, you, if you want to turn to that, I am reading out of the ESV version. It says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present age are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption, and to obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in these pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For those who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. And He who searches the hearts knows what's in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed in the image of his son. In order that we might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those who he justified, he also glorified. What shall we say th- about these things? That, that was a mouth load, right? It, it, that, that last bit uh, that, that he says, for those he called, he also justified. For those he justified, he also glorified. It, it explains the beautiful preservation of the saints and where we're going in our walk, in our life, right? Uh, 
he, he justified us. He saved us, right? Out of our sins. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. That's what we have to look forward to. That glorification when we get that, that, that whole groaning that he's talking about, right? Of, of getting to heaven. So what shall we say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? For he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? who is at the right hand of the Father, who indeed is interceding for us. What a comfort. What a comfort that he's interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? For as it is written, for your sake, we are killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him, right? Through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That that passage should be lifting believers up in their hearts. Because I think we've all been there. Many denominations besides the Reformed faith now wrestle with this question about eternal salvation. Once saved, always saved. I know I had that question. And I never really got a super straight answer, right? Uh, You know, some of the pastors actually use verses I'm going to share with you today. But the confidence was just not there, right? The confidence was just not there. Um, In fact, you know, know, Roman, Roman Catholics believe you can lose your salvation, right, through mortal sin. And you must be brought back through penance. That's a whole works thing, right? So there's all this confusion that's out there. And, you know, there's a few verses that have been taken out of context, right, um, that others have used for the base for the loss of salvation. And they can be refuted easily. 1 Corinthians 9.27, Paul says, But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after the preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. It doesn't mean he's disqualified from his faith. It means he's disqualified from his rewards. If he starts bringing attention to himself, he has done harm to the gospel. And it's nothing more than you need to be serious about your faith. Who are you representing? Right? You're representing Christ. And we have uh, an innate ability as still walking along this path of uh, sanctification. We can screw things up and, and say things wrong. Uh, and, and it will disqualify us to people, right? So we need to be careful about that. First Timothy 1, 18 through 20, this charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, 
that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made a shipwreck of their faith. Among those whom Herminius and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blasphemy. Let's get this right. There is no question that professing believers can fall, right? That, that they can fall and they can fall big time. I've known some men I have respected highly. And I don't doubt that they were Christians, but they fell because they gave into temptation. They gave into sin. Um, so where do I base this on? Think about Peter. Peter's a, a good example. He actually outright denied Christ, right? Uh, you know, and the fact that he was restored um, is that grace of God, right? Um, Christ knew his weakness, right? He knew that he was going to do this, but he knew his weakness. And how did he bring, you know, Peter back? Feed my sheep. He kept on saying the same thing over and over. Feed my sheep. Uh, until Peter finally, it finally hit Peter, and he just broke down and realized and, and, and repented of what he did. And what a love of a Savior that is when we do mess up. Uh, he is genuinely shows us love by restoring us. Um, David would be another great example. You know, he, he was... He was uh, after you know, he was called a man after God's own heart, right? What did David do? When kings should be at war, he looks down and sees Bathsheba and desires her in his heart. So he follows through with that temptation, gets Bathsheba pregnant. Now her husband comes back from war. And he tries everything to do to, you know, like, okay, she's pregnant. Let's, uh, let's get, that's it. We'll have him stay. And this guy was just so noble that he would not sleep with his wife, right? So what does he do? He sends him to the front. I mean, think about all this. This is methodical evil thinking, right, that he's doing. And he sends him to the front line of battle to die. Was that it? Was David kicked to the side? No. He was restored. Did he have to pay for his sin? Yes. The baby died. Family was wrecked, right? So, so you see th through that. So you got to understand that if we fall and we're, we're believers... There is a path to restoration. And that will happen. That will happen. It will not not happen. It will happen. Now let's look why we can't lose our faith. First of all, who called us out of hatred and rebellion? It is God and his love towards us. And it says why we were yet sinners, right? Christ died for us. And who does that? but a loving Savior. And, you know, and, and the idea of 
perseverance of the saints is also known as the doctrine of eternal security. What God has put in place cannot be taken away. Let's look at supporting, some supporting verses on this. John chapter 10, verses 28 through 29. says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. That's one of the verses that one of the pastors gave me. It's like, oh, okay. I can never be snatched out of God's hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. And then he seals the deal of who he is, right, who Christ is. He says, I and the Father are one. If you belong to the Lord, you will never be snatched out of his hands. You will always be there. Now, do we, can we go out of that umbrella of protection? Yeah. I and mean, we just talked about that, right? There, there, there's sin that comes in our lives and, and uh, you know, we, we can hurt ourselves. We can hurt our testimony. But he will always make that way of bringing us back and restoring us. Um, the verse that we just read in Romans chapter 8, uh, starting at 29. For those whom he foreknew, right? Now, when he says, for those he foreknew, that wasn't at that minute. That wasn't at the time we were born. This is before the creation of the earth. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What shall we say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? We, I, I did a CE hour on the fear of man. We let the fear of man trump God being for us so many times in our lives. Because we still have that battle between flesh and spirit, right? Um, it says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Now, we are more than conquerors. It's not that we're pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps here, right? We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. It's, that it's through his love that we can conquer anything. And, for, and I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. How many Christians have gone, been slayed by the sword or hung or burned for their testimony? It doesn't end there, does it? Eternity. This is talking about eternity. Nothing can separate us from that love of God. No matter what happens here on this earth, if you are his, you will see him one day face to face. You know, the, the, the scripture is very clear on salvatory matters. Um, there is no gray area. And I think that's where, where these other denominations really struggle. That's why they can't give a good answer. It's very gray to them. And all you have to do, what am I doing here? I'm not preaching about Calvin. 
I'm not, you know, I, I'm just preaching scripture, right? I'm talking about scripture. What does the scripture have to say? I'm taking it in context of what it has to say. It was amazing to me um, how clear things got once I started hearing about, and it didn't happen until I started coming to Christ the Rock Church. And uh, it was just like, okay, this makes sense. And it's like, why didn't I know this all along? Why? I, 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 you know, what do they call that? The cage or whatever? You, you get this, yeah, you get, you get this anger. It's like, Somebody fooled me. Well, guess what? I fooled myself. It, it, it was always there. The scripture was always there, right? I can't blame it on another pastor or, or other men, right? It, it, it's, it's, but praise God that this made, brought so much clarity to this subject. And, and, and while the scripture is clear on who the saints are, it's also clear and gives us instructions who are the false converts and those who intentionally want to harm the church? So, before I go into this, saints, we are secure. Uh, if doubt enters your mind, it's sin. Run away from it. Confess it. We all get there. We all do that. We, we, we all have this like angst about us, right? Because we start, what do we do? When, when pressure's put on, you got two paths, either go towards the Lord or go towards the flesh, right? And we need to strengthen ourselves to go to the Lord when things get rough. Um, I've had things in my personal life that, praise God, he was with me all the time. Um, you know, where it says that, you know, when you don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit will pray for you. What a blessing. What a blessing. But there are those that want to hurt the church, right? Um, so we just did the fruit of the Spirit for believers, right? And, and we talked about the fruit of the Spirit. All the believers, we have the corner market on that, right? It's, it's something that's it's given to us, right? It's not our own. We don't, we don't manifest it in any way. It's God-given. It's Spirit-given. But check this out. 1 John 2, 19 says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might become plain that they were not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. Right? Um, it's amazing after... I was going through, um, and, and I've heard this testimony from a lot of people. When people are in like search mode before they're called, and they read the Bible, how the you know it's just words, and you think you need a uh, college education to get through this, right? You go to seminary to understand any of this, and then after you're saved, it says, boom, the words leap off the page. And you start understanding. You don't understand it all at once. There's that growth period, right, through our sanctification and our walk. But it says, you know, anointed by the Holy One, you all have knowledge. Matthew 13, 24 through 30, more of talking about the, uh, the bad fruit, right? He put another parable before them saying, oh, this, that's not bad yet. Okay, back up a little bit. 
we're going to talk about the parable of the seeds. Um, so he put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man that has sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, the enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. Right? That's always like the enemy, right? Sneak in, sneak out. <laughs> you know? So when we, so when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said, Hey, master, did you not sow good seeds in your field? And how does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you also root up the wheat among them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat for my barn. So the separation of the wheat and tares, right? You know, you would think the disciples are all standing around saying, yeah, I get it. They didn't. They were like, they had to wait until they were with Jesus by himself and said, uh, and then when, the, when he left the crowds and went into the house, you know, you could see, are you going to ask him? Are you going to ask him? <laughs> and the disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. And he answered them, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burnt within the fire, so will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine. This, this, is, this is our hope, folks. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let them hear. Anytime Jesus said, he who has ears, let him hear. He's, this is serious stuff, folks. This is not just me talking. This is, this, this is eternal consequences to this. So listen up. Salvation is of the Lord, and we can rest in this. Um, you know, questions you can ask yourself. Um, have you, and, and, and how do I know, right? You know, we, we, we deal with this too. How do, we, how do we know we're not God, first of all, right? And we can't say, you know, that person's not saved unless they're living in an abomination and, you know, they're obviously doing everything opposite of what they would do as a Christian. Um, but how, 
Have you been transformed by the Holy Spirit? 2 Corinthians 5, 17 uh, through 21 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ Jesus reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I, I, I read that like four times the other night when I went through this. Wait a minute. He reconciled us, and he also gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is incredible. What a gift. That is, in Christ God was reconciled the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. That's that trust. This is huge. This is that trust he gives us to share the gospel. That is major. That same way that we're reconciled to him, he gave us reconciliation, the ability for that reconciliation. Now, it's not our power to reconcile, but it's our, we have the ability to share the gospel, the good news. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. This is, this is you know, if, if you know, we get into the whole Calvin thing and, and the whole uh, reform thing. Why should I witness? You know, the, what, what do they call that? The, the foreign Calvinists or the far? Yeah, hyper. And it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to. Why should I witness? It's, you know, God's going to call who he's going to call. It's because we're commanded to. We are commanded to witness, right? And we are given a great gift of this reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. God making his appeal through us. What great responsibility, saints. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We're bought with a huge price. Eternal salvation, when you think about it, how could Christ go die for our sins on the cross? We're given all these things, the fruit of the Spirit, the full armor of God as we, as we walk, the, the ministry of reconciliation. How could that just be dumped? It can't if you are controlled by the Lord. And, and, you know, there's always a question of how do we know if someone's saved? Again, again, to be clear, you know, we're not God, right? We're not, we're not God. But Scripture is very, very clear on how to identify false or even intentionally deceiving apostates. You know, even, and this is, I jumped ahead before when I talked about fruit. So we did the fruit of the Spirit, right, for the believers. This is kind of like the fruit of the Spirit are the fruit of the unbelievers for sin. Um, Matthew seven fifteen through 20. Beware of false prophets who come into you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. We've ran into that. We've seen that. We've all seen that. You will recognize them by their fruits. So just like a Christian is recognized by their fruits, we will also be able to recognize the evil ones by their fruits. 
Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears what? Bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Isn't that interesting? How we're recognized as believers by our fruits? And that we have that same thing, that we will recognize the unbeliever by their fruits. Now, sometimes that takes time, right? You, you, can't, you can't jump to conclusions and jump to, you know, you, you, you got to wait. Sometimes somebody's like very immature in their faith coming in, right? Um, they might not have the $1,000 words or the ideas down. I mean, I, I know I was, I was one of them coming into the reform. I still don't know it all, right? You know, it's still, still God's working with me on that. Um, but the true believer can be recognized by the fruit of love. Remember, the first part of the fruit of the Spirit is love. Uh, the, this is from the words of Christ um, in John thirteen thirty five. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If you love one another. Um, that is a big mark of a believer. I know with guys, we want to be big, tough, gruff, and, and, and all this stuff. We're defined by our love for others. Um, and sometimes that love is manifested in just that, just, just the uh, unconditional knowing that you're a saint and how I treat you, right? Sometimes that love is manifested in discipline because um, not calling something out is not love. That's evil. Um, but in, in closing here, I, I, I can't, so, so where we're at, you should be, I used enough scripture, I'll make this available to anybody who wants it. Um, you should be pretty secure in your faith if you're, if, you're, if you're a believer, right? I want to cl- close, though, and well, first I'm closing and consoling all, these, all that are believers. And I, I have to say this one more time, because this, Romans chapter 8 is one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. And it says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Where do we get that example of love? From our Savior. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Take that to heart, Saint. Take that to heart. That should be great encouragement. Remember this when you falter. Remember this when you're feeling down, right? Remember these words. Now, I want to speak to those that don't know where they stand or when it comes to the topic of perseverance of the saints or eternal salvation. Are you confused by this message today? Um, are you questioning where you stand or 
when it comes to what eternal security means. If so, 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, In a favorable time, I listened to you, and in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. That's this present peace we are living in right now. Today is the day of salvation. I can tell you that. Stop being an enemy of God. You, you might say, I'm not an enemy of God. I don't blaspheme God. I, I, you know, I like God and I like what the scriptures have to say. We were all born enemies of God. Romans 5.10 says, For if why we were yet enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Be reconciled to him. Be reconciled to him. What if you're not? I found one of the, in, in, I was dry, going through the scriptures, and I found one of the most, it, it shakes me up reading it and, and, and going over it. Talking about fleeing God's wrath. Nahum, you know, I know we all read Nahum every other day, right? You know, that's one of the prophets that, you know, I haven't read much, right? Nahum 1, chapter 2 through 6, gives the clearest thought on God's wrath I, I think I've personally ever read. The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. Totally opposite of what the world gives. God's just love. He loves everybody. No, he is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord is avenging and wrathful the Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries and keeps the wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger. We can tell that because we see so much evil going on in this world that I think, you know, if, if we were in that position, we had that power, we'd be poofing people out of existence right, right away. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. Don't mistake his slowness for lack of power. He has great power. And the Lord by no means clears the guilty. This way is in whirlwind and the storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry. He dries up all the rivers. Bashan and Carmel wither. The bloom of Lebanon withers. The mountains quake before him. The hills melt. The earth heaves before him. The world and all who dwell in it. Who can stand before his indignation? Who can endure the heat of his anger? The wrath, his wrath is poured out like fire. And the rocks are broken into pieces by him. Don't be part of that day. Don't be part of that wrath. Cry out to the Lord and seek him. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. I've seen people walk away from the faith. And they're walking farther and farther away from the faith. That is such a difficult thing to seek. 
One more thought here. Many are trying to understand reformed the, uh, try to understand Reformed theology, get really stuck here, right? Um, they have heard that, uh, and, and maybe even s- understand that it is God who calls his elect, which is true, before the beginning of time. So should I just sit on the curb and wait? I've had that, well, if God's going to pick me and he hasn't picked me yet, like, no. There's still an active part. We need to seek him. We need to find him. We need to call out to him continuously. I share that with one of my sons. And every time I talk to him, I should cry out to the Lord. Cry out to the Lord. You need to cry out to the Lord continuously. Because if you don't, you're going to hell. And I, you know, I, underst- I, I didn't understand this until Pastor Austin explained how the Spirit draws you. Um, you know, even while you're an enemy. I look, you know, I look back when I was reconciled in a car trip home. I was in a car with Debbie on, 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 on our way back. And it was a wash of events that led up to my salvation that things were made clear to me of how those people that did witness to me, everything that was growing, everything that I was reading came to that point. And how I had no say in the matter. It was God who totally changed me at that moment in time. And I can't, I, I, I can't describe well enough in words what that means when that happens. You do, as you're sitting there, I'm sure you're thinking back, you know, that time when you realize that the Lord called you, that you were running straight towards hell, and he grabs you and turns you around and says, no, you are mine. Um, so I plead with you, seek him now while he can be found. Don't wait. We're not given tomorrow, right? There's no guarantee. And I will end with with a quote from John Calvin. It says, no man is excluded from calling upon God. The gate of his salvation is set open to all men. Neither is there any other thing which keeps us back from entering in, save only your unbelief. So saints, I hope you're encouraged by the perseverance of the saints that, that you know, we're called. And when we're called, we're his. Do we still have to walk through this crazy earth, of, right? This is this walk of sanctification. It's not easy. But guess what? We have him to lean on. We have him to call on. We have him to guide us. And for those that don't know the Lord, hell waits. It is, it is a reality. And you don't want that. So cry out to the Lord. Seek him while he can still be found. Let's pray. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your redemption.
that, Lord, your justification, your sanctification, your glorification, that, Lord God, one day we will be in heaven with you. Until then, Lord, that we will keep enduring. That, Lord, that we will keep bearing fruit. Lord, knowing none of this is of ourselves, but through the graciousness of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray for those that don't know you here today. That are sitting there. Just wondering, who is this God? Maybe they even know about this God. Lord, I pray they cry out to you. In so the weeping here on this earth, crying out to you, will not turn in to the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the grace you have given us. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi there, this is Austin Hetzler, the pastor of Christ the Rock Church of Elyria, Ohio. We at Christ the Rock are humbled and grateful to be a part of your sanctification today as you listen to this sermon. But at the same time, we want to encourage you to be a member of a good local church and not to allow online sermons to replace the local church and to benefit from the life of that church and to give your spiritual gifts back to that church. Having said that, our website is www.christrockchurch.com. If you go there, you can find sermons, blogs, and other resources as well as our location and service times. You can also listen to the sermons on Bible Thumping Wingnut, Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Stitcher. I, along with the membership of Christ the Rock Church, pray that this sermon will be a blessing to you.